0: Today is the 24th of January 2021. So this practice of training a body, speech, and mind um, is something that we need to be intent in. And we uh, see the danger in actions of body and speech which are not good, uh, which we call a papa or uh, demerit. And we see the benefit of training our body and speech um, so that they're within the bounds of sila. And this is meritorious. And then we train these minds. And it's normal that the mind thinks a lot. It proliferates upon the things that they experience. Sometimes they go and think about uh, things in the side of liking and sometimes about disliking things. So there are skillful thoughts present, and there's also a lot of unskillful thoughts that crop up in the mind. And uh, if we don't train our minds, then they'll just carry on thinking in this way. But if we do take the time and the effort to train them, to uh, practice them, then we'll experience some difficulty with that normally, uh, because... It's the habit of the mind to proliferate in this manner. But it's not something, This training of the mind, it's not something that's beyond our abilities. It's uh, not beyond the effort that we have in us. And so for us in our minds, something which is buried quite deeply is a sense of self and selfishness. Uh, because we all have a self. We will feel like we have a self. And so whatever we do, we do for this self. And um, sometimes uh, when our minds are firmly established in the selfishness, then we go and harm others. We act in ways that are immoral. So the Buddha taught us to abandon our self and selfishness. So when we live in one society, no matter which society that is, then we help out, we sacrifice. And um, when we do this, um, then we see that this is a good thing and it brings peacefulness uh, to the societies that we live in. And so just like with monks, we have our duties, uh schedule that we need to follow. And uh, within one day there are many activities that uh, require all of the monks to be there, so for alms around, for example, or helping out with uh, cleaning the monastery. And we do this, we're not deceptive in our actions, we're not selfish, but rather we sacrifice. We all come together to sacrifice in this way, and this uh, brings up or gives rise to a society which is harmonious. So the schedule and the uh, daily routine of what Nombapong was based around these qualities, um, these principles of harmony and, selfing, and helping out and self-sacrifice. And it works to bring up kindness and compassion for each other. And so we follow the leader of whatever monastery we're in. And sometimes there may be uh, Special work activities as well outside of the normal routine. And there may be cleaning projects, so to clean a dharma hall, and an opositor hall, or to work on a jetty. And uh, there are also usually different departments uh, within a monastery. Uh, so there are those who look after the um, electrical system of the monastery, those who look after the water, <coughs> those who take care of monks who are ill. And uh, we help out following our skills. And this brings up happiness in our heart because it's meritorious. So it's natural that we do have some degree of selfishness, um, but we need to bring up kindness as well and to go against that selfishness to sacrifice and have these qualities of kindness and sacrifice as the foundation for our heart. It's not that we just have equanimity on the level of, of indifference, of just not helping out, that's not correct. We don't think that this isn't my duty, so I'm not going to do anything. We see others doing something and we just let go. That's not right. So we need to help each other out. And if we do this, then um, we act in ways that are beautiful and graceful. So at Wat Nambapong, uh, when the monks went out on arms round, they would wear both their upper robe and their outer robe um, overlaid. So there'd be two layers of robes. And uh, when they came back from arms round, um, one of the monks would help receive the bowls of the monks returning. And then um, the other monks would help fold each other's robes. And uh, it looks like Doing these small things are just quite insignificant acts, Uh, but really it shows the consideration that we have for each other. Uh, It displays that clearly, and it gives rise to a society that uh, cares for one another, that there's a feeling of warmth towards each other. So when we all live together with a sense of sacrifice in this way, then it produces peace in our body and in our speech. We don't criticize each other. Uh, We don't shout at one another. But rather, our actions of body and speech have this quality of calm to them that's within the bounds of sila dhamma. And then we train our minds. When we have free time, um, then we use that to practice. Uh, We practice sitting meditation, walking meditation, but while we're working, while we have duties to attend to, we need to keep our mindfulness there. And if we do that, then we don't waste that time. So there was one time when I was at Bodnambapong at Nampuchas Monastery, and uh, we were um, bringing earth up to the Ubosata, uh, to build the Ubosata Hall upon. And uh, that was when I was uh, just newly ordained, so in 1977, and we ended up working from 6pm to 11pm. And uh, as I was doing this, um, initially I had my awareness uh, focused outside, but as I got more and more tired, then I thought to myself, well, why don't I establish my mindfulness in what I'm doing, why haven't I got my awareness focused on these activities? So I brought my mind back uh, to passing uh, these uh, buckets of dirt um, up, and I'd just uh, have my awareness there with uh, passing it from left to right, from left to right, and then my mind settled down, it became still. So when we are doing these communal activities, um, we should also be firmly established in our mindfulness as well, And then peace can arise while we're doing this. So we don't just let our awareness go wherever it wants, and we keep it with what we're doing. And we don't um, just give up on our meditation, even during these communal projects, but we can meditate while we're doing these as well. So we both need to meditate and need to help out as well. It's not that we just focus on one another or the other. But we need to, in terms of work, we need to know what's enough, what's appropriate. And then as we're doing it, uh, we think to ourselves that when I'm finished with this duty, then I'm going to go back and I'm going to do sitting meditation, I'm going to walk in meditation, I'm going to chant. And we try to keep our Efforts are continuous, um, efforts connected up throughout the entire day so that we never miss out on anything. And when we act in this way throughout the day, when we come to meditate, then our minds will gather together into peace. So just like when we recollect death and we think that life is uncertain, but death is certain. Death is the culmination of my life. My life must end in death. We contemplate in this way Uh, repeating this mantra within our hearts. And this is a strategy that we can use to bring the heart to peace. And sometimes uh, there'll be a lot of emotions going on in the heart. There may be a lot of fear, a lot of thinking about the future. And um, when this is happening, then we can use our thoughts to think about death, that our lives must end in death. And when life must end in death in this way, then why would I want to harm any being? What's the point in having ill will and being averse towards anyone? Why would I want to be greedy? Because this life is not short. So these thoughts about death are able to cut off any emotions that we have uh, that fall within the bounds of the kilases within greed, hatred, and delusion. We see that these things. I'm not sure. And initially this is just a memory that comes up, a perception into inconstancy. Um, We see that all things um, must decay, must degenerate, that there's no true self to them, that none of it's stable. And this is a perception that we bring up that's very close to wisdom, it's similar to panya. And as we contemplate in this way, then the mind becomes still, it gathers into peace. Perhaps we see someone who's died, and um, we can think that, or we think during that time as we're watching this corpse, that life is really not sure, but death is sure. That this person, they didn't even have the time to digest the food that they'd eaten. They had no idea that they were going to die like this. And then the mind becomes disillusioned. It turns very still, very quiet. And then from that calm place, it starts to proliferate once again, seeing that this is a person, that he's this and he's that, that this is a police officer, it's a soldier. And these uh, thoughts, this proliferation comes up. But when this happens, um, then our wisdom is... On top of it, it's, it's keeping up to speed with those thoughts. And it sees that these thoughts really aren't true. That really, um, there is no name to this being. He's not anything at all. He's not even a being. There's no self. There's no other there. So speaking in this way, speaking in terms of wisdom, um, but, When we know this, then the heart knows it directly. It knows into anicca, dukkha anatta, and constancy, not self, um, stress and not self. But we need to practice to get to this point of direct knowledge, when the mind and the body are both very buoyant. And from there, we'll be able to see into the true nature of all things, that they are this way, that there's no person there, I mean, we'll see people, but we'll see them as not being people. Um, There's no us, there's no other. So with training ourselves in the beginning, um, these thoughts, they're very close to wisdom, but it's more accurate to say that they're to do with samadhi. But next, when the mind turns very peaceful, then we'll see once again this new insight will be very clear. And this is the point where wisdom arises. And we understand that this is the path of practice um, that takes us to peace, that these are the strategies that we use to get to peace. And uh, these, or these other strategies, are what we use for wisdom to arise, and we'll understand the practice in this way. And from this understanding, our effort increases, the faith that we have grows, and we become very firmly intent upon this practice, because we've seen the truth within our minds. And so sitting meditation, walking meditation, this happens all by itself. We don't have to force ourselves. So in this path of practice, um, I ask for all of you to be firmly established in goodness, to abandon all evil, Um, anything which falls outside of Virtue of goodness, to be restrained and uh, cautious and to establish your mind's well. So, all evil we abandon, um, give up feelings of selfishness, and I try to put these aside and try to give rise to a mind which um, sacrifices, that we don't take advantage of other people. And this is something that's really important. Because if we do this, if um, we train our minds in this way to take advantage of each other, um, then this leads to um, a lack of inner comfort, that the mind is ill at ease. And so we do need to help each other out. And just like uh, with helping to um, pass up this, this dirt uh, to build the uposata uh, hulon on Wat Nambapong, Um there were many monks um, helping out with that, um, but slowly they started uh, to leave and to leave. And uh, But I kept on helping out. I wasn't going to give up. And even though uh, my body was uh, like very small then, uh, still I wasn't going to give in. And I carried on helping until there was just one other monk uh, helping out. Uh, but he was very big. So I knew that I wouldn't be able to, to keep up with him. and So I left at that point. But I knew that if I left before then, uh, then that wouldn't have been right. That would have been an act of selfishness. So we need to firmly establish ourselves in not being selfish. And then from that, we need to train ourselves in this practice. Because this is the path that Lumpur taught and practiced himself. When he was a younger monk, he practiced in this way. And just like he had mentioned in his Dhamma talks, um, that on the robe-washing day, he would go and light the fire and prepare everything. <clears throat> and with helping to wash dishes and such, he, he would do these things. And uh, there were some monks who just came along and they took The water that had been prepared to wash their robes uh, and wash their robes and then left. Um, But these people were just selfish. But those with intelligence would sacrifice, they would help out, they would help to prepare, Um, they would help to clean up afterwards. And so it's important to sacrifice. So we train ourselves uh, to be those who do sacrifice, who abandon selfishness, who are firmly established in virtue that their actions of body and speech are peaceful, they're well restrained. And then from that, we train ourselves in meditation. We can recite these mantras of Buddha, dhammo and Sangha throughout the entire day to bring the mind to stillness. And from that, we'll gain an understanding for ourselves in the practice. And it doesn't take long. If we do things in this way, it's not long before our minds become peaceful. So there's people who sacrifice in the societies in which they live. And for the monks who sacrifice within a monastery, they give a lot of benefit to the monastery. And Lumpur said that each monk needs to be the foremost in something. There needs to be something that they need to excel in within the community. And in doing that, they make themselves very valuable in the society that they live in. So our life then gives great benefits to others. And from that we restrain ourselves, our actions of body and speech. We collect them in, we're cautious, and we don't let up on the practice. When we have our free time, then We use that to sit in meditation, to walk in meditation, to train our minds well. We um, can recollect death and think that this life is not sure, but death is sure. Death is the culmination of my life. My life must end in death. Think, when I die, what can I take with me? There's nothing in this world that we can take along. So we we recollect this and we're not heedless in this life, either. Just like how the Buddha taught Venerable Ananda, or asked him, how many times do you recollect death? And he replied, seven times a day. And the Buddha responded, that that's too little, that I recollect death with each in-breath and each out-breath. And he saw this nature of arising and ceasing constantly. So we recollect in this way that our lives need to end, then what do we do? We can ask ourselves whether we're chanting enough, whether we're doing enough sitting meditation, are we building up goodness, are we abandoning selfishness. And we do this a lot, we practice a lot, we develop meditation a lot. Because all of us must be separated from the things that we like and we love, that this state of, um, separation is something that's very normal for us to experience. And when we come together or we stay together, this is just temporary and it doesn't last long. So therefore, we do need to train these minds well um, to be intent uh, upon this training. And I ask for all of you to be sincere in this practice. And when we can recollect and uh remind um, ourselves in this way that death is certain, and uh, reflect upon ourselves and ask whether we have any excellent, noble qualities within our hearts yet. Have we experienced any freedom or insight? And if we haven't, then we really need to set our hearts sincerely on this training. So meditation monks need to keep their meditation with them all the time. Be reciting these mantras of Buddha, Dhamma, and Sango or the chant of Tippi so. And don't just allow the mind to, um, scatter about, to float around all over the place, but really do this practice, develop it a lot. And in the end, the mind will come into peace. You will see the Dhamma. So may all of you set your hearts on this.